This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, August 30th, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. The Republicans are complaining a lot about spending, except when it comes to how much we spend defending other countries. And on a day that was purported to offer a celebration of Ron Paul's steadfast support of the Constitution, a whole lot of talk focused on expanding the American bootprint around the world. Justin Logan, Director of Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, offers his thoughts on the GOP convention. One of the interesting contrasts of the Republican National Convention so far is that there seem to be two tracks of discussion. Paul Ryan talked a lot about the uh, profligate spending of the Obama administration, and yet so many of the uh, speakers on the very same day taking that very same stage were talking about America's responsibility abroad and how we simply cannot afford to let our leadership in the world diminish in any way. And there seemed to be no attempt, uh, save for maybe a single statement by Rand Paul on the stage yesterday, that these things had anything to do with one another. Ladies and gentlemen, your contemporary Republican Party. I mean, it is, you know, on a, on a general note, it is uh, unsettling to see uh, at the circus that is the Republican foreign policy world the very same clown car pull up, the very same door open, and the very same cast of characters fold themselves out of the car uh, who were on the scene 10 years ago uh, when some of the biggest catastrophes to befall American foreign policy in the past half century came. So there's really been a failure to cultivate not just new thinking but new thinkers. Uh, We saw speeches from uh, Senator McCain who obviously has been a a longstanding and stalwart neoconservative thinker. Uh, We saw a speech from the former National Security Advisor and Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, uh, who was on hand uh, in the early years of the Bush presidency when September 11th happened. Um, She also referenced the financial crisis, which was not by any means, you know, the, entirely the fault of President Bush. But those are some big problems that unfolded under their watch. And there's really been a failure to reckon, I think, with the problems, uh, with the thinking neoconservative or whatever we're calling it these days that uh, embodies the Republican foreign policy establishment. Here's Condoleezza Rice from her speech. When the world looks at us today, they see an American government that cannot live within its means. They see an American government that continues to borrow money that will mortgage the future of generations to come. The world knows that when a nation loses control of its finances, it eventually loses control of its destiny. And that is in the middle of a speech where she's talking about, uh, in very vague terms, what we must do to support our allies, that our allies must uh, know that the United States will always have their back. Yeah, I think the statement that you've read is entirely unobjectionable and needs to be repeated over and over again. Um, it, it bears remembering, though, that of course, uh, spending on behalf of wealthy allies costs uh, in any given year hundreds of billions of dollars, some of which we're borrowing from the enemies of aforementioned allies in order to protect the allies, which is not. Uh, the model of strategic coherence, one might say. Um, and also, just to get a little bit further afield, the, 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 the administration uh, prior to the Obama administration, for all the Obama administration's fiscal foibles, was hardly a paragon of fiscal rectitude and uh, financial modesty. So we really have, I think, a bipartisan dilemma uh, in this country. And certainly some of the things that vice presidential candidate Ryan said 
about the need for reforming domestic spending were music to many people's ears. But there really is a failure to open both eyes uh, and look at both sides of the equation in terms of America's profligacy. And these sorts of speeches lend themselves to very high levels of abstraction. You're not going to get someone come out and say, uh, we should bomb country X for Y purposes or something like that. That's to be expected. But this overwhelming theme of uh, the McCain speech, the Rice speech, uh, the Ryan speech even, was this business of exceptionalism. And I think that this uh, is useful for the Republicans because it doesn't pin them down on any particular policy initiative. Uh, it just allows them to sort of uh, beat their chests and say, yay, America. And I forget what it was, the line uh, uh, from Hamlet. Uh, the lady doth protest too much, methinks. I mean, this is a terrific country. Look around you. Uh, it, it does, you don't need to consistently say over and over and over again how great the country is. So I think this is a little bit uh, uh, bizarre to have. Uh, on the one hand, it's politically comprehensible. And on the other hand, I think it's been overdone a little bit. This self-congratulatory aspect of Republican foreign policy. They're talking about what the world thinks when they look at the United States. And if you took this down to the level of the individual, if any human being walked around and talked about themselves the way uh, America's leaders talk about the United States, he or she would have no friends whatsoever because it's this constant drumbeat of self-congratulation, chest-pounding um, that I think, again, is politically comprehensible. People are very nationalistic. Uh, you had Ed Gillespie and Karl Rove call explicitly – this is a word that political professionals rarely use – for a nationalist Republican campaign and they've gotten what they requested. Paul Ryan made – and this was a huge applause line for him talked about uh, rescuing America from the plans of the central planners. And I mean this is music to a lot of people's ears. Uh, but again, there's no reckoning that idea with American foreign policy. Right. Ryan talked very, very little about foreign policy and I've been somebody who's been saying for months now against my own, I guess, professional interests uh, that this is not going to be a foreign policy election. I think that's still true. Uh, but he talked very, very little about foreign policy itself. However, what he did say to my ear was a little unnerving because it sounded like a more or less full-throated endorsement of President Bush's second inaugural address. Ryan says, wherever men and women rise up for their own freedom, they will know that the American president is on their side. Now, that last clause is doing a lot of work. What does it mean to have the American president on your side? Maybe he'll say a prayer for you before he goes to bed. Um, maybe he'll you know, pull for you uh, when he's taking a shower in the morning before he goes into a meeting. But I think when you make these sorts of sweeping declaratory statements, number one, it's obviously not true. Uh, because some of our allies, for example, in the Gulf, people are standing up for their freedom and they're being put down and the American government doesn't bat an eye because uh, they have a naval base in the particular country and we like the naval base more than we like freedom in that country. So it's just hypocritical and obviously untrue but it also creates this sort of moral quandary where you're making these sorts of big rhetorical claims that everybody – makes everyone feel good about themselves and we stand for freedom everywhere. Um, and, and if people believe that, 
everywhere, you have this dilemma where you know, you're know you encouraging people to, to go out with the belief that they have some abstract commitment from the United States president uh, on their side. And then if they all get killed, you can just say, well, I didn't mean that we were actually going to do anything for that. We were just going to stand with them. Uh, and I think I'm just uncomfortable with that. If, we, if we're going to make a commitment, let's make it clearly and let's commit to it. Do you think it's odd that on a day when they set aside four minutes uh, to uh, honor Ron Paul, who, by the way, was not given a speaking slot due to the conditions uh, uh, placed upon him by the Romney campaign and the RNC to essentially fully endorse Romney and make that a part of his speech, uh, that his celebration, short, uh, RNC-approved, scrubbed, and basically dealing with fiscal issues was presented on the same day as all of these speeches about, uh, you know, swelling chested Americans that need to go support uh, freedom around the world, no matter the cost. I mean, I think there's no question that they threw Ron Paul under the bus. And in a certain sense, you can't blame him for that. He doesn't play by the rules. Uh, but his not playing by the rules is what makes some of us uh, really like Ron Paul. Uh, and But certainly for the Republican Party leadership, that is not a good thing for them. Um, but it was interesting. You saw some of the people on that video, um, Walter Jones, Jimmy Duncan uh, from the House of Representatives, Mike Lee from the Senate, who all have, to a greater or lesser extent, Sympathies, let's say. Maybe they don't co-sign the entire uh, Ron Paul platform uh, on foreign policy and on civil liberties, but certainly are sympathizers uh, with his platform. And they also are fiscal conservatives, and so they were able to remark about the fiscal conservative issues. So the interesting sort of subtext there was that there may be this germ of, let's call it Paulish or Paulian sentiments in the Republican Party that have uh, uh, followed his departure from the scene. So it'll be interesting to see whether some of those people, other people like Jason Chaffetz, Justin Amash, for example, uh, who have been more or less on the right side, at least in the context of the Republican Party of foreign policy and civil liberties issues. I think that would be a great testament to the man and legacy for him. You know, we've lived for a long time with one Ron Paul. Uh, if we could assemble one Ron Paul from four or five people going forward, that would be a good thing, let alone the prospect of having four or five Ron Pauls uh, running around raising hell in the House of Representatives and in the Senate. So that's something to watch, I think, if we want to look for a hopeful sign uh, coming out of the GOP convention. Justin Logan is Director of Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.